This is Stephanie, and this is the Mocha Minutes Podcast. Hey guys, before we get into the episode, I just wanted to let you know about something that's a little new here at the Mocha Minutes Podcast. We are now participating in Buy Me a Coffee. So, If you haven't heard, buymeacoffee.com is a place where you can show some um, support and some love monetarily to some of your favorite content creators. That includes me. (laughs) Um, So it's in the increments of either a dollar, three dollars or five dollars. And you can do as many as you would like. Um, So I just wanted to let you guys know would love, love, love some support. So if you would go to buy me a coffee.com backslash mocha minutes. I would greatly appreciate it. It will also be in the show notes. Okay, here we go. When you're feeling lost in the night, when you feel your world just ain't right, call on me, I will be waiting. Count on me, I will be there. Anytime the times get too tough, anytime your best ain't enough, I'll be the one to make it better. I'll be there to protect you, see you through. I'll be there and there is nothing I won't do. I will cross the ocean for you. I will go and bring you the moon. I will be your hero, your strength, anything you need. I will be the sun in your sky. I will light your way for all time. Promise you, for you I will. Yes. Hello. Welcome to the Mocha Minutes Podcast. I am Stephanie. Thank you so much for joining me. I don't know why that song was... I don't know what it is about that song. It could be Monica's voice. It could be that it's one of the best songs off the Space Space Jam soundtrack. Or just, you know... Diane is one of the pins. I mean, I don't know. Um, that, that song was written by Diane Warren. Um, Diane Warren, uh, some of my favorite love songs, but Monica has the power to bring songs to life. Ma'am can emote with her voice. And it always gives me tingles when I think about it. But today is not about Monica. I mean, you know, Monica is that girl. But today we're not um, talking about Monica. It's another solo deficit. Solo dolo episode, y'all. Um, just wanted to take a little bit easy today. Um, so solo dolo guests are coming back. I promise y'all. Um, just wanted to take a just ease myself back into it. As you can say, it's been low up and down for the last few months, at least mentally for me. So solo dolo, hey. Uh, so, let's start low-key. This is very weird for me to say at my big age. But I'm very excited about a video game that's coming to Nintendo Switch October 20th. And that is a new Super Mario Brothers game. It's going to be called Super Mario Brothers 
wonder. Now, I I played the last Super Mario game. Loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. And then I saw somebody on Twitter talking about it. I was like, hey, what the heck is this? And then I see that there's a trailer. Y'all, Nintendo has a 15-minute video. It's not even That's not even a trailer. It's like a mini movie, a mini documentary about Wonder that's coming out in October. And it looks fun as I don't know what. And I can't wait to play it. Because I was like, I'm going to resist. I am not going to. <laughs> I am not, 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 not going to do pre-order. I am really trying not to. It is so funny when I think about it because I'm like, Stephanie, don't do pre-order. Resist. And yeah, I resisted so far. Let's see what happens October 1st. Um, so yeah, I'm very excited. Oh, and I finally watched the Mario Brothers movie. It's very cute. I love that it incorporated the game, but also Mario Kart as well. It, you know, <laughs> my two loves. I'm a big Mario Kart fan. And the fact that the road they use is Rainbow Road cracked me up. Because, man, if you are a Mario, Mario Kart player, Rainbow Road is Wu Chile. Well, at least when you're starting, you're just getting, um, just getting acclimated. I have to say that of uh, late, the video game movies have gotten better. Um, Super Mario, the new one, it's really, I, I think it's really cute. I can see why a lot of people liked it. The live-action Sonic movies, I kind of liked how campy they were. So, I kind of like those, too. So, we're going to see. Everybody's like, oh, now we can make a new um, super, I'm super, video game movie universe. And I'm like, there have been a lot of video game and board game movies out there. I'm like, there's already been a universe. It's just, y'all just haven't talked to each other. And, you know, that's just that. So, very excited. <laughs> so funny to be like at this age getting excited about a video game that I'm going to get unless somebody wants to give it to me and that's totally different you guys thanks so much um but I put this in low key <clears throat> not the Mario game but as the Bravo turns because there's a lot of Bravo stuff going on I'm like oh lord I know I'm going to be chatting with Zell soon to talk about it because my gosh it's so much let's see um there is rumors flying that Lindsay and Carl um, Radhouse is donezo, apparently. They're supposed to get married in November. Apparently, they called off the wedding. People, his own friends didn't know. People have made, like, apparently there was, like, a deadline to um, cancel flights and travel and, uh, like, for room rates. Because they were getting married in Mexico. Apparently passed. So, people are out of money. <sighs> but... Apparently, um, Cameron's going to be up for this. Uh, it's alleged that he has blindsided Lindsay for this. I just, that's actually just kind of sad when I think about it. Because you saw the, you know, the bridal shower. You saw the fact that majority, if not all of the cast of Summer House was there. Including Danielle. Including Danielle, who is excited about going. And I'm like, oh, they are friends. I'm like, oh, okay. I should have known something was going on, but that's neither you know there because one, Danielle and Lindsay didn't have a reason to not be friends. Danielle was being a bozo last season. She can have our reservations, and now people are gonna say she was right. I'm like, I don't know if that's what we want to use. <sighs> but 
I, it just sounds sad when I think about it. It's just sad. Because I hope Carl is not returning to um, the hoe from the streets that he was season one, two, three, four, child. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm being shady for no reason. Because, you know, the other per- the other thing that I haven't noticed is that, you know, I don't think a lot of their co-stars have said anything. But I think that is out of respect for both of them. I don't know if Kyle is going to say something. It's going to be very interesting if he does or does not. Um, let's add in. Apparently, Kim Zosiak and Corey Bierman, their divorce is back on. And apparently, the police were called because Corey locked her out of the mansion or mini mansion, the McMansion, whatever you want to call it. Um, allegedly locked her out, so she called the police. And apparently, this house is going into foreclosure. Uh, apparently, Corey's the one who pulled the um, trigger and decided to put the divorce back on the table. Because they had said they were filing, then pulled it back saying, we're going to try to work out the kids. And then I think Corey went, JK, we are getting the divorcee. If that's what you want to do, Corey, Corey. Um, But I find it hilarious that the woman who had no problem coming to her co-stars at the time and making it seem like they were so jealous that they don't have the man that she has, that Corey got all this money and y'all wish y'all had my life. My of the tables turned. So... Bethany has been responding again uh, about the fallout, I guess, the reception to her uh, interview with Rachel, the artist formerly known as Raquel. So here's the deal. She is getting, so let's see, because I have listened to the Brav Bros. I've listened to two T's in a pod. Is that what the two T's in a pod? Yeah, I think that's the name of it. Also, I listed some of the shenanigans on podcast. Let me just say this. I love Shishu. I like Shishu's YouTube, and I like her podcast a lot. Um, so you had she you had shenanigans with Ariana, and then, you know, the question, of course, because of when they're recording, the, the question's going to come up. is like, what did you think of the interview? So the fact um, now she is, Bethany is somewhat malfunctioning. Uh, because of the response that she has gotten from the re- from the interview. I tried to record a TikTok about this, but I don't know what is going on with my TikTok. I'm having such trouble, but that's neither here nor there. This is my thought when it comes to Bethany. For a very, very long time, Bethany Frankel was very much given more kudos than criticism. Not saying that she didn't have zero criticism because that's not true. There is not a housewife that has a 100% approval rating. Not one of them. There's not one. Not even the most popular ones. There are some people like, yeah, I just don't see it for her, right? So it's kind of like there is no housewife out there that has a 100% approval rating. There are people who have high approval ratings, and then but not 100%. Bethany Frankel has literally sat in a place where she has had more kudos than criticism, and that has been comfortable. Now, something very interesting has happened in the last few years. She's been getting more criticism than kudos. Because I will maintain this. The artist formerly known as Raquel has every right to come and tell her story about how her life is going so far. Here's the thing. She disappeared and left. Tom Sandoval toured through all of this. And the thing about it is, 
people still came to see his tour, whether they came because they liked him or they came there to hate watch. Baby, you bought a ticket. So we don't care if your money is coming in angry and hateful or ecstatic. The money's still green. We don't care, girl. Okay? So I wanted the artist formerly known as Raquel to tell her story. I always did. It was like, nope, I think she can. Even the most complete asshole can literally find somebody who wants to talk to them and talk to them about this. Totally fine. Have no problem with that. She reached out and came to Bethany and asked her. And it was like, I find it interesting that she's the one who reached out to Bethany because she wanted her story told by Bethany, with Bethany, on her podcast. And I'm like, huh. Everybody's like, oh, I think that's smart. Or some people are like, why would she do that? I'm like, I can think of one reason. Bethany has flat out said that she don't watch the show. Meaning that Raquel, I'm sorry, the artist formerly known as Raquel, can come to that show not in judgment by someone who's watched the show and has their own, have already formed an opinion of her. Bethany seemingly did not. Um, because when she talked about, this is my daughter and what um, Ariana said to you, oh my gosh, it was just terrible. I'm like, I'm going to give you a uh Bethany, Scandival happened at the beginning of March and about two or three weeks after that, they went to a reunion. You are so lucky that Ariana did not get the spirit of Drita and leap off that couch or stool and come and kick her ass. It was like less than a month. It was barely over a fortnight before she saw this girl. And it's kind of like, here's the thing, Raquel, even if y'all were not besties, y'all were still friends. And not only that, you saw Ariana stick up for you. She ain't got to be your bestie to be your friend. She doesn't have to be your bestie for this to be shitty. Because guess what? If she was your bestie, this be even shittier. I'm just sorry. It's like, I'm, I watched the reunion, all the parts. I also watched the, the Peacock version of it as well. She did give more to Tom Sandoval. But baby, that doesn't mean you get to be scot-free. You getting some of this too because you fucking know her. And what world, what world do you think that she should not say anything to your ass? Considering that at the beginning of the season, you sure did have like feelings about Lala when she told you that, oh yeah, by the way, she fucked James. Were you sent, so should Lala have been saying that like, you got girl, you need to be more mad at um, James than you are at me? You still gave her some because once she still got, she still has a part in this. But this is, yeah, that's neither here nor there. So watching so many people say, you know, Bethany, for you to say people should like stop taking advantage and um, using reality stars. Whew, sorry for um, basically using them for content. You literally put out maybe, I think it's up, up to four or five episodes at this point, talking about this. And she's like, yeah, I don't know what I did. No, we don't. But you also don't care. <laughs> Ma'am, it still does not negate that it seems mighty odd that you want to talk about people being exploited. That's the word I was thinking of. You're talking about, like, companies like Bravo and production companies exploiting people. And you seemingly seem to have exploited the artist formerly known as Raquel. Because let's be very clear. We're not talking too much about Raquel, about her. We're talking about you. 
I I listened to the I'm like I listened to the interview. The sound it was like hmm. Because one, the other thing was that it seems like you have a lot of sponsors. You have a lot of sponsorship for your podcast. I ain't going to knock it. But the Bra Bros did kind of crack me up when they put out the fact that like a large percent of those episodes had a lot of sponsorship on it. A lot of monetized podcasts do. It just seemed like it was more glaring with Bethany's. I don't know. So I think what we're seeing with Bethany is to watch somebody who is so used to kudo, more kudos than criticism. When it's flipped the other way, they don't know how to act. Because, ma'am... Why are you doing all this? You sit, you have made it a point. You've made it part of your makeup and your your social media footprint to criticize other people's business moves, to criticize how people move, to criticize how people live their lives. Girl, we've seen your TikTok. We've listened to your podcast. So you have thoughts and opinions about what people have been doing. Girl, you are nose open for the Kardashians and their con- and their content and their products. So who are you to sit here and go, how dare y'all like y'all don't understand? She got she's the very defensive because she's not used to this. She's used to people just going, I love Bethany and I love what she do, and this, that, and the third. Ma'am, it did seem like a very self-serving, self-serving, exploitive interview of the artist formerly known as Raquel. You won't have to own it, as Reynolds would say. Own it and move on. Okay. Last thing in low key is let's talk about Atlanta. Okay. So here's the deal. For basically this whole season, people have been complaining about the show. Here's the other thing. People complained last season about the show. How they didn't like it. It's boring. Y'all need to do something. We need a new cast. We need a new cast. See, y'all say new cast enough. That that new cast starts to hear a lot like reboot. Recast, like you want it recast, you want it changed up, you want a change. A reboot is a change. So, B. Scott, who, let's be very clear, since he's been covering the Housewives, most notably Atlanta, when he puts out a story about Atlanta, it usually is not that far off. He, meaning that he doesn't put out lies. He can, he, it is in a bubble, as Les will say, bubble of a legend. Let me just say that. It is. But usually when he says stuff, it's not that far off to what we actually see. So when B. Scott put it out, the reason why people were like, ooh, this must be, uh-oh, wait a minute, this might be, this might be what's going on, is because it's B. Scott. And usually, homeboy don't miss. I'm sorry. They don't miss. Sorry. They don't strike out. They're usually correct, right? So now Bravo is scrambling like, hey, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We didn't say we wanted to reboot it. Yeah. Um, I have a feeling that y'all might want to. Now, I have, I am maintaining, I still am. If it does come to let's recast or reboot, I have said, y'all need to do this surrounding Candy, and I'm going to say this. Oh, and I also want to talk about speak on it. Um, the reason being is Candy's actually the Atlantan on the show, everybody else is a transplant, they're not from Atlanta. Some of them have lived here long enough, like they're Atlantans now, but they weren't born here. Candy was the thing about it is, Candy, 
and I get it. People are like, Candy is boring. I'm like, I don't think she is. But I, I'm like, I'm not going to tell you how to feel because um, it's a deal. I have some of my faves. I Oh, that's right. I had listed my top 10 favorite housewives. Um, and at the top of that list, um, and favorites of all time, at number one is never going to change. It's going to be Lanethia Leakes. It always is going to be. She is my top housewife ever. She is the blueprint, even though Atlanta was the third franchise. Lanethia is the blueprint for a housewife. Now, for the other nine spots, they can be moved around. So this is in no essential order. In my top ten, Teresa Judice, uh, Candace Dillard Bassett. Because some of these I know I'm going to get killed on. It's going to be so crazy. Luann Deliceps. <laughs> Kyle Richards. She's the most alpha beta I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, and again, I'm going to get killed about this one because everybody knows how I feel about her. Ashley Darby. She is messy as hell and a self-drag at the exact same time. Girl, she will drag your mess and then walk around with her messy, messy life just sitting out there for people to go after. She don't hide it. You know, I, I got to give you kudos, baby. Um, Tamara Judge, and I get it. Homegirl is messy boots, but if you don't think that she kind of changed Orange County when she um, came, I don't know to tell you. Um, let's see. So, Candace, Ashley... Teresa, Kyle, Tamara. So I got three more people. Woo. <laughs> I'm going to say something so funny, but I can't do it. It's so funny. Um, I have to add Vanderpump. I really, truly do. Um, because, yeah, she's one of the people who have made a successful uh, spinoff for years and launched careers of other people. I know you're probably thinking, why, why am I not saying Kim Zolciak? I say successful spinoff. <clears throat> yep. Uh, <laughs> I would also say, and I know that this is also people like, girl, what? Miss mm. Dorinda, because my goodness, uh, I know that it's probably like very confusing. And actually, this one is not confusing. Can you more? It's like, uh, yeah, no, can't do it. So I think I have used up all my spots. And I think that's the last one. Hopefully, it adds up to 10, but yes. So let me just go over it. Of course, Nini's at the top, but in the top, in the rest of the nine, Candace and Ashley from Tomek, Kyle from Beverly Hills, Lisa Vanderpump from Beverly Hills, Tamara from Orange County, Kenya um, from Atlanta, Oh my gosh, how many, oh my gosh, I can't count. This is funny that I cannot count. It's up to six, right? Dorinda, Luann from, uh, from Roni. And I feel like I, I feel like I said something else. Oh, I'm sorry. And Teresa from Jersey. Top 10, hands down. Actually, I'm going to expand it to 11 because I want to add somebody else, Jennifer Aiden. Let me, you know what? I'm going to do a baker's dozen. So I'm going to add Jennifer and that is because I think she's one of the most normal people. And it's kind of like, girl, why are you on a reality show? And I kind of like her is Robin Dixon. And also. <laughs> I know she is so 
Ooh, she is so terrible. No, I'm kidding. She's not terrible. Um, she is a acquired taste. But her not being on her last season seemingly kind of sunk the show. And that is Miss Leanne Lockin. So, Baker's Dozen. That's what, it, you know, my dirty dozen here. My dirty Baker's Dozen. Let me say that. So, there's that. Um, so, when I think about reboots, I'm like, yeah... I think because of how well Roni is being received, how well they're being, crit like how the critics are responding and the ratings are two separate things. So a lot of people are like, people aren't watching it. Like, yeah, but the people who are watching it, enjoy it. So that's not, those are the two different things. Because of how well Roni did, and I think it also was because, let's be very clear, they had a big rollout at BravoCon, so y'all knew it was coming. There also was, like, back-end talk about the cast, because one of the original cast members, um, she was fired because she racist. Um, so she off. And now there's all the talks about Aaron and her previous um, dealings, her previous donations, and then the We Don't Like Psy movement, which is very interesting. Um on the new Roni. I kind of like everyone. I like this group as a whole. I like that it's gotten back to the silliness that is Roni. Roni never fought about nothing completely serious. These heifers are fighting about cheese, being called cackling hags, toilet paper, not having food at this dinner. It's like, how do y'all not? What is with Aaron having parties and not having food? Can, can somebody answer that? Because I don't understand. But anyway. Um, and also... They don't, they're kind of like delusional. Sometimes we get what they say. Recipe for a good housewife shows if I haven't seen it. So I know that hearing the word reboot for Atlanta is like, why would we do that for Atlanta? Atlanta is not a fail. It's not. <sighs> but something has got to give. One thing that I've always loved about Atlanta is that the, the biggest, biggest positive about it is that these people had real friendships y'all didn't just plug and play and towards it like in the latter years y'all started plugging and playing people and it's like yeah this is not going to work especially when you have somebody who they want to come back who had a friend of who was marketed as her friend and now she's saying we were never friends i'm like see there's the issue atlanta has always had the strongest friend of group because those folks actually have relationships with the people on the show we're not plugging and playing I'm like this is like hp laser jets they're going to have to walk away from that. So it's like, we're like, reboot, JK, we're not doing a reboot, allegedly. Um, and then the executive producer coming out and saying, I don't edit and I don't cast. As an executive producer, girl, I get what you're saying, but baby, you're the EP. People going to come to you first. You're like, if you're not the head, you're at least maybe the chin, they coming for you. Also, but also, let me just say this. Please do not send death threats to the folks, the production staff of Bravo, like a Bravo show. Please do not send them death threats. Like, y'all are weird. That is very... That is very pump rules. That is very Beverly Hills. I need y'all... That's very Southern Trump. Girl, we ain't doing that. Please don't do that. If it needs to be rebooted, 
let it be rebooted. If it's just going to be like the big chop. Because one, this is not the first time that Roni was seemingly rebooted. They had a soft reboot when they like cut down half the cast in half and kept um, Bethany, Ramona, and I think Luann. I think it was like six or seven people. But getting rid of Jill, getting rid of Alex, it was kind of like they cut the cast in half and it was so super weird. Because at that time, if they said, like, they might have to split, they're going to split the cast and they're going to get rid, like, out of Jill and Ramona, who do you think they're going to get rid of? I had said Ramona. When it came down to, like, Jill or Bethany, who do you think they're getting rid of? Oh, I'm sorry, they also covered it, Kelly. Um, they're like, who, out of Jill and Bethany? I'm like, oh, hands down. At that time, it was Jill. Jill's out. But it's like, if you're, like, comparing to Jill and Ramona, it's like, it should have been Ramona. And the fact that Ramona stayed and Jill was... Um, Especially that was the season after it seemed like Jill basically was just like, I'm so sorry, apologizing to Bethany, who literally just had a baby a few weeks before that. So I'm not, I'm going to keep my pains to certainly to myself when it comes to the reboot of RHOA, but I'm going to see what this two part reunion is going to do. And I think that's also where the rubbers mean the road for me when it comes to Atlanta. Two parts? What is this? Real Housewives of Dallas? I'm going to shade a lot of people right now. Um, As of late, Atlanta has done no fewer than three parts of a reunion. As of late. So them getting two is like, either they be get, better be longer than an hour. Because if they not, it's like, yeah. um, Because I... This season of Atlanta, I didn't think it was that bad of a season. I also thought that the premiere of this season was one of the better season premieres of Atlanta. I'm like, it's usually they are slow burn and they um, get up by like, mid-season trailer. By mid-season, I was like, reunion me, please. But then it was like, what do I want to talk about at the reunion? Before we talk about the, re- like, the reunion that's starting. Okay, so Candy speak on it. They had Courtney. Now... I understand the concept for Candy wanting to have a discussion with everyone on the show. She did a lot of promote. I don't say a lot of promotion because a lot of these things didn't. I, as of late, I hadn't seen a lot of trailers for her speak on it. But this one was definitely going to get some eyeballs because it's Courtney and everybody's like, you're going to headbutt that bitch. She on the show. Why? Why? Why is she here? Right? So that night when it was airing, Cause I thought it was weird. Cause usually Candy speak on it is um, put out just the video. She's like, here's a link to the speak on it. So maybe I'm wondering if it doesn't come out. Maybe it always comes out alive. And I'm like, because I'm not watching it the the at um, when it premieres. Ooh, that's probably why I didn't notice that. So I could be sitting like, why is she doing a lot? I thought that was interesting. So I'm watching it, and I think I started like maybe halfway through. And I think I do remember when they were talking about Allison and um, talking about, you know, when I met her, she seemed normal. And I'm sitting here like, what the heck does that mean? I'm like, what? But then I'm like, I'm sorry. The person who was the most cringy this whole um, interview was was um, Ralph's um, cousin-in-law. Because when she had a lot, she had a lot of smoke for Drew. And it's so very weird because the whole bitch comment. um, So here's the deal. Every time I watch the scenes, I see the playback. I could have swore she was talking about Sanya. And she was like, she was like, I was mocking Drew. And I'm like, huh? So the thing about it is, is like, I'm like Allison. 
if I ask you a direct question and you lie to me, I'm going to look at you real funny. So she had a whole lot of, she's like, oh, she don't like me, child. I'm like, because one, I don't think she like bitches lying to her face. And essentially, in this um, in this case, it's you seemingly just lied to her face. And also, Courtney, you said, I only apologize to you to get her out of my face. I'm like, so you don't, girl, what? <laughs> like, I don't know. Courtney, you're doing a whole bunch. You're a crisis manager and you're creating a crisis. Like, I don't, I don't understand that. But we're going to see what this, what this, um, Reunion does. I am going to say this, and I like Candy. Candy, you cannot have a years-long grudge or issue with an, a your group member who said something on a radio show and said, the only way we can make this right is if you do apologize to me publicly, and you have not put out no public apology to Allison. We're not going to do this because one, was she the most egregious person in that interview? No. However, it is your platform. It is your house. You can put out a whole, don't address it next day with DJ A1, because girl, what? Put out a whole video as an apology to Allison after you talk to her. Because let's be very clear, you owe her an apology. And, that, and to a certain extent, I get it. This was like right after the reunion, so you're at home, so your feelings towards Rue is all over the place. That has nothing to do with Allison and you owe her an apology. Please give her an apology expeditiously. She was owed one a good week ago. Because don't just edit it out and take and put it back down. Because, ma'am, you had an issue with Sanya this year when she was sitting with Courtney and something happened. And what did you say? Well, what did you say when she said it about me? Allison can say the same thing about you because the thing about it is they had to cut back and show you what happened with Sanya and Courtney. Everybody saw what happened with Courtney on your platform talking about Allison. So you can't ask for something that you don't want to give. Baby, you owe her an apology and that's all. And that is literally the, like, that is like the barest thing I can say about that. So hopefully Courtney... Courtney Candy does the right thing I don't care if Courtney does anything because one she, on that speak on it she was the mean girl that she said Kenya Summer Moore is I guess you know you would be able to identify mean girls considering that you act like one but let's continue mid key I have not watched love and hip-hop in quite some time I've seen clips but I haven't stayed on the show it seems like this season is the season where I should have been more engaged and I should have just come back to the show. I haven't done that yet. But there was a clip of a, of a fight between Spice and Erica Mena from the show. It also included Shekinah, which, again, I was like, wait a minute, Shekinah's on the show too? Okay, I guess that makes sense. For Like, it's in Atlanta, Shekinah's in Atlanta, she is near hip-hop, she's hip-hop adjacent, Sure. Okay, so we're sitting down looking at this table where Erica Mena feels a way that Safari would be very, very upset if something had happened to Spice, a.k.a. the Beyonce of Dancehall in Jamaica. Spice is that girl when it comes to Dancehall. When someone says she's like the Beyonce of Jamaica, I'm like, that's what it seems like. Because for us here in the States, we may not know too many Dancehall. I'm like, you got, I feel like you have to be like, 
knee deep, a huge fan. Not that dance hall is niche, because it's not. It goes, honey. Um, but I think a lot of people like go up for Spice. Spice been doing this for quite some time, right? Spice was just sitting here like, girl, what you want me to do? And then it becomes Erica Mena turns us into, woe is me. Why is no one feeling sorry for me? And I'm sitting here like, now this can't be the same Erica Mena that I have seen before. This can't be the same Erica Mena who seemingly didn't give a good goddamn about other people and their feelings. But now it's like, why y'all not feeling sorry for me? Because I don't feel sorry for you. See how easy that was, right? They get into an argument because um, Spice was, she said, Spice, you know my story. Spice is like, I don't know all of it. And then, you know, Spice just kind of give giving her tough love because it seems like they, it's like Spice, Spice is a straight shooter and said, like, you're acting like you're the first woman who's ever gotten divorced. I've been doing this for 14 years. And she was, and so I think Erica snapped back and said, I've been doing this for 16 years. She's like, with a son who doesn't want nothing to do with you. Now, let me just say that. That pause you just heard is like, girl, bitch, have you lost your mind? So when she flipped over the table, not surprised by that. Because um, a few minutes before that, she said that her and a couple of her castmates fasted and prayed for Spice because apparently she had a hernia and they had like something happened to her and she almost did die um, in care. Not Well, not in care, but she almost um, she almost passed away. Then all of a sudden, Erica's like, you should have died, bitch. And I'm sitting here like, but you said y'all fasting and pray. Don't let these demons pray for y'all, okay? Don't let these demons pray for you because you see how that goes. Then all, like, because um, I think she flipped the table, threw something, Spice threw something back. And then she said, you should have died, bitch. You should have died. And then Spice yelled out, um, your son wants nothing to do with you. And then it went from girl to What? When she called Spice a blue monkey, you monkey, you blue monkey. And then she also added in monkey sounds. And then at this moment, there were people who probably did not realize that Erica Mena has an anti-black streak. And she's had it for quite some time. And now all the people who have said, I don't know why y'all go up for Erica Mena because she don't like black women. It's kind of like you go, this is what we were talking about. Because there's a lot you can say about Spice. If you want to be shady and go gutter ball low. You mean a son who doesn't want nothing to do with you? Girl, um, excuse me, my son don't want nothing to do with me. You sacrifice your kids for your career. Your, your mama take care of your kids. Your... The, the Meemaw is the mama because you want to be out here shaking your ass on stage. See how ghetto and wrong that is for me to say? But if you said it to me, I don't know. It's like, it's kind of like you got to know where to go. So the thing about it is, is like there are people. So then we saw the clips because I didn't watch the show and I have a feeling I might go back and watch this season. What got me was the comments of people literally actually saying, Erica Mena calling Spice a blue monkey was warranted because Spice started the argument. I need y'all to hear me very clearly. No, the fuck it's not. Absa-fucking-lutely not. Let's play a game, shall we? Spice is having an argument with another woman. 
Let's pretend she's white. Can some white woman who's arguing with Spice, she said the exact same thing, that, can she call her a blue monkey and make monkey noises? If you're saying no, she cannot, that is why Erica Mena can't do that shit either. You cannot be black adjacent and be anti-black. She surrounds herself with black women, has no problem taking all the black dick in every hole in her body, but really, she don't like black women because I swear, ma'am, your issue is with Safari and why he would feel so much more emotion if something happens to Spice, a.k.a. the Beyonce of Jamaica. That's what I keep hearing. Ma'am, if some white woman can't say that shit to Spice, Erica can't say that shit. Hell, never a black woman can't even say, who the fuck you think you all call me a monkey? Because I'm sorry. He's like, you blue monkey, you baboons asshole. See how that works? See, that's the thing, right? So you hear me getting upset about this. Apparently, Spice went on an interview and someone asked her about it. She's like, I'm fine. This is what I signed up for. I'm of two minds when I saw that. So first mind is, bitch, what? What the hell do you mean I'm fine? You did not sign up to be called a racial slur on an all, like majority black show. Maybe being called a bitch, a table being like, like flipped on you, someone saying you deserve desire. Okay, being called a blue monkey and someone doing monkey noises is nothing. That is not part of the job description. It's not even under other duties as assigned. So I don't know where you just got that from. So it's kind of like, mm. so the second, so I'm just like, girl, if y'all about to ready like rip Erica Mena a new household, asshole, the woman that she called a blue monkey is basically kind of like just, you know, brushing this off. I don't know if Spice is just waiting until the reunion to let her ass have it. I don't know. I don't even know. They may film the reunion. Girl, girl I don't even know. Because I don't watch the show. Okay? So if you watch the show, I'm like, I think they haven't filmed the reunion yet. Because I think, I don't even know if they're like halfway through, towards the end, beginning of the Girl, I don't know what's going on. I don't. I'm so sorry. I, should, I really need to talk to the folks that watch the show. Right? The second mind I have is that... We are a black woman of a certain age. Some things do not surprise you. And Spice seems to be because of the like the um, circle she um, travels in, the stuff she's done, the places she's been. She is not surprised that a non-black woman, but not a, a, a non-black, non-white woman being anti-black is something that she has probably had to deal with. And she is like, girl, this is nothing new. This is not the first time some non-black, non-white woman is going to lose her fucking mind with me. It's not going to be, it's not the first, it's not going to be the last. So she could be like, just going like, you know, it's like this is, people just go super low because they think they can. It's like, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to let her bother me. There's some people who look like, girl, what the fuck? And there's other people saying that's kind of like maturity. Like, I guess it's very, if you go low, I'm going to go high. Like, I guess you didn't go high when you talked about the fact that um, Erica your son don't want to be on the whole social media or the um, reality show with you. So, I don't know. It's on two minds. But that does not negate the fact that Erica Mena was dead ass wrong. And I don't know if I've seen her say anything, apologize in any way, because you want to know why? So many black women were actually giving her cover in them comments saying, oh, well, Spice did start it. There's no way in hell y'all would allow a white woman to call Spice a blue monkey and make monkey noises. That was like, but because 
Erica is brown, all of a sudden that's fine. It's not. I don't care about her adjacency to blackness. She dead ass wrong and she need to be popped in her face. See, that's the thing. Y'all should have let Spice out. She said, let me out. Because here's the thing. Erica do a whole bunch of talking until you in her face. I was like, girl, didn't you just get arrested? So the episode came out and then also she got arrested because, you know, she be doing a whole bunch. I just, ugh, just, ugh, that whole thing makes me go, ugh. But the thing about it, I can't tell Spice how to feel because it's like, I don't know. It's like, there's some people who can just like turn it off. I'm not one of those people because I swear me and Erica Mena would need to meet in Temecula. So next thing in mid-key, let's talk about Coco Golf. So Coco Golf, she plays the tennis. Very cute girl. She's 19. She is doing um, the thing. So she is right now, she just won the second round of her matches for the U.S. Open. That was on um, Wednesday, Wednesday, August 30th. So I'm recording after August 30th. So Coco Golf in the first round um, of the U.S. Open was playing Germany's Laura Siegmund. And she, Laura Siegmund is 35. So... There's three rounds and three rounds. <laughs> I hope I'm doing the right thing. Hopefully. I hope I'm not screwing this up in any way. The majority of the match, Coco noticed something. So apparently this is something that I didn't know, but I am not a line judge nor a professional um, tennis player or a, a coach or someone who literally studies the rules of tennis. There is a amount of time that you have to be back to the line to receive a serve. Coco noticed that her her opponent was taking her sweet ass time to get back to the line. Essentially slowing up the play. And there were a few times where she went over the allotted time. I think it's like 25 seconds. So... First set, it was like, huh. So she didn't win the first set. Coco won her second set. Third set is when she said something. She was like, wait a minute. What is happening here? It's like, she didn't say anything to the third set. I said, match. It's the, it's the set, third set. Where she was like, so she was having a back and forth with the judge. It's like, how is this fair? It's like, she keeps going. She is slowing down the route of play. The judge was trying to say that Coco was, like, going back too fast. And it was like, no, I'm not. I'm going the regular way. So then Laura got in trouble. And they only cited her on breaking this rule once. Once. And it is the 25-second rule. So the 25-second rule says both the server and the receiver need to be ready to play within 25 seconds after the scoring of the last point. So once you score a point, you got to be ready within 25 seconds to get back to the line. Um, the first time a player is not ready within a lot of time, they will receive a warning. For each subsequent time a server isn't ready, they'll receive a fault, leading to a second serve. When a receiver isn't ready, they'll lose a point. <sighs> so, the thing about it is, towards the third set, Coco brought it up to the judge, and then you hear um, the uh, audience... And the crowd going, no, because they started paying attention to the clock. Like, wait a minute, what the hell? Like, what's going on? 
So then they're watching the clock and yelling timer every time Seaman was slow to be ready for the next serve. And then Laura went to the judge and then they had their back and forth, not realizing the judge was actually giving you a break because she should have been calling you and this um foul, the thing that you like you breaking this rule first set. She said nothing. Um, so then third set, Coco ones, Laura is eliminated. She is at her post-match interview and that heifer is sitting in there crying because the crowd was booing her. She's like, I was labeled a I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not trying. I didn't realize her um, accent was so heavy, but she's like, I'm labeled a cheater and they want me to perform, um, and, you know, the rules and it's like, um, I should be quicker, but at the same time, it's how I play. That, but it's like, sweetheart, if you kept breaking the rule, that judge should have said something to you the first set and she did not. The only reason she said something is because Coco said something because she noticed it. Laura is 35, Coco Golf is 19. That means you've been playing literally longer than she's been alive because she started very young. And then you want to cry because people are like noticing like this is not fair. Because let's be very clear. She was on the other foot and Coco was doing that. This would not be the same reaction. And if she cried, they would have told you to suck it up. Ma'am, you have been doing this for a very, 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 very long time. So you should know this rule better than anybody. Better than Coco. Coco's only 19. And she kicked your ass. You deserve to go home. But that judge also needs a talking to. Because it's like, ma'am, why weren't you calling this? Why didn't you say something? She said nothing. Girl, look. I'll, now I sound like courting karma. Uh, it's your karma. So, yeah, Laura was out um, round one. Coco just run round two on Wednesday. All the best to Coco Golf. Okay, so let's round this out by high, talking about high key. And high key is for the complete tragedy that happened in Jacksonville, Florida at a Dollar General on August 26th. So shortly after 1 p.m. on Saturday, August 26th, a gunman entered a Dollar General armed and outfitted in a tactical vest, gloves, hat, and face covering. In 11 minutes, the gunman shot and killed three black people identified as Angela Michelle Carr, 52, Anault Joseph A.J. LaGuerre, LaGuerre Jr., 19, and Gerald Deshaun Gallion, 29. After shooting the three people, the gunman, identified as 21-year-old Ryan Palmiter, turned the gun on himself and died by suicide, authorities said. He wrote a note to his parents and then, so in a note he addressed to his parents and writings addressed to law enforcement officials, the uh, Ryan indicted, indicated he held white supremacist ideology and hated black people. So this man has literally a manifesto that was on his computer and he told his parents to play, to like read it. So then they called the police. So let's give... The timeline of the shooting. 
The gunman left his parents' house in Clay County, Florida, and headed to Jacksonville around 11.40 a.m. on the same day as the 60th anniversary of the March on Washington and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech. At around 12.23, the shooter drove to a family dollar discount store about a mile and a half from the Dollar General where the shooting occurred. He entered the store seemingly unarmed and even held the door for some customers before returning to his vehicle six minutes later. At 12.30 p.m., he left the family dollar. Mr. Waters said from security cameras, it appears the gunman was first targeting the family dollar but chose to leave after a security vehicle pulled into the parking lot. He then went to the campus of Edward Waters University, a historically black, col- historically, excuse me, black college where he was captured putting on a tactical vest in a parking lot. Students who observed the gunman reported him to a campus security guard, Lieutenant Antonio Bailey, who confronted the gunman before he left the campus. The individual returned to their car and left campus without incident. The encounter was reported to the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office by EWU Security. Zachary Faison, the president of Edwards Univers- Edward Waters University, called Mr. Bailey our hero for acting immediately. Let me pause right here. See, here was the other thing. This man who decided to kill three people in a Dollar General, he went to the Dollar tr- He went to one dollar store first, because mind you, this is a black area. And then he saw security like, oh, let me not. Then he decided to go to a HBCU, a college campus. You you left your home, left your county to come and murder people just because they were black. And then because people paid attention, one, this is the HBCU. Not that there are white people that are not on HBCUs. But, sir... They saw you putting on a tactical vest in the fucking parking lot. You're not coming to go take your English 102 final. That's not why you're here. You're not here for English 102. What the fuck are you here for? Right? So because they acted so swiftly, because they're like, girl, what the heck is this? Because it's also Florida. He got, he left. And it's like Zachary Faison said it correctly. Antonio Bailey saved a lot of lives that day. At around 1.08 p.m., the gunman went to a Dollar General where he shot and killed Carr in the parking lot. He gunned that lady down in the parking lot. Miss Carr was 52. He then entered the store and killed LaGuerre and Galleon. The gunman then texted his father, telling him to check his computer. His family discovered several written manifestos intended for his parents, law enforcement, and the media. The sheriff called the writing the Diary of the Madman. Just before 2 p.m., his father called the Clay County Sheriff office according to Mr. Waters but by the time the shooter had begun his shooting spree but but by that time the shooter had begun his shooting spree inside the Dallas General okay so here's the thing the father called them at 2 p.m. 108 he had already killed someone and then killed some other people he had killed three people or unalive three people and then told his father um yeah check my email I, I left you a nice little note Mm-mm. So the thing about it is, he had already taken three lives. Just ridiculous. Um, the shooter, um, he had an AR-15 style rifle as well as a Glock handgun. <sighs> One photo shared on the sheriff's office Facebook page showed a close-up of the gun with at least 
two swastikas and illegible writing in white paint or marker on one side. The weapon had Palmetto State Armory and PA-15 engraved. Palmetto State Armory's website described PA-15 rifles as our interpretation of the legendary AR-15 rifle that you have grown to love. Those were not his parents' guns, Mr. Waters clarified at the press conference. I can't say that he owned them, but I know his parents didn't. His parents didn't want them in their house. So, more stuff. The shooter was previously involved in a 2016 domestic incident, but was not arrested, the sheriff added. In, 26, in 2017, the gunman was, was committed under Florida's Baker's Florida's Baker Act, a statute that allows for people who could be considered a harm to themselves or others to be involuntarily detained and examined for up to 72 hours. If there is a Baker Act situation, they are prohibited from getting guns. We don't know if that Baker Act was recorded properly, whether it was considered a full Baker Act. <sighs> Law enforcement are examining the writers of the sh- of the writings of the shooter. According to the sheriff, the gunman used racial slurs and conveyed his disgusting ideology of hate. The suspect did not know the victims. Mr. Waters said there is absolutely no evidence the shooter is part of any larger group. The FBI has launched a federal civil rights investigation into the shooting and will pursue this incident as a hate crime. President Biden condemned the shooting, saying white supremacy has no place in America. We must refuse to live in a country where black families go into a store of black to the store of black students going to school, live in fear of being gunned down because of the color of their skin. <sighs> mm. So now we have the people, what they're saying after, like the, basically <sighs> after. The shooting coincided with the 60th anniversary of the March on Washington, where Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. delivered his famous I Have a Dream speech in front of the Lincoln Memorial. Speakers at the event discussed the growing threat of hate crimes. Jonathan Greenblatt, director of the Anti-Defamation League, spoke about hate and racism in his speech. In 1963, we came here to this place alongside Dr. King and so many other leaders to demand equal rights, justice, and fair treatment to all. Now, today we've come one uh, once again to demand equal rights, justice, and fair treatment to all because we know that hate still exists and the work of fighting hate together continues. So here's a few other... Reactions to the tragedy. House Democratic leader Hakeem Jeffries wrote, We will never bend to we will never bend the knee to violent extremists who worship at the altar of white supremacy. South Carolina Senator um, and GOP presidential candidate Tim Scott wrote he was devastated. There's nothing more hateful than murdering someone because of the color of their skin. Violence of any kind has no place in our country. Jacksonville Mayor Donna Deegan also shared her thoughts. We must do everything that we can to dissuade this type of hate. I can't even be able to tell you how frustrating this is for all of us because we've seen it too much. Um, Democratic Rep for New Jersey, Bill Pascarell, underscored the need for for tighter gun laws. Last year, 99% of House Republicans voted no to banning war weapons, like the one used yesterday in Jacksonville by racist terrorists. Shannon Watts, and Shannon Watts is somebody that I follow on Twitter because Homegirl has her ear to the ground and very much is very, very open and vocal about literally needing to change the gun laws in our country. Florida's Florida's lax gun laws, like permitless carry, make it easy for criminals and white supremacists to access guns. Ron DeSantis, who is the governor of Florida, signed this measure into law in April, which went into effect on 
July 1st. It allows anyone who can legally own a gun in Florida to carry a concealed gun without a permit and does not require training or a background check. So here's the thing about that. You can't say, I don't know if the Baker Act was recorded directly, like was recorded correctly. It's not going to matter if you have a law that says you can conceal a weapon and you don't need a permit. It don't matter. Because one, that, like he could have got that gun from anybody. Somebody else could have bought that gun for him. We don't know that. So actually saying like it should have been this, this, and this. Um, Florida Democratic Rep. Maxwell Frost is pointing the finger at Ron DeSantis, as he should. <clears throat> a racist bigot walked into a store to murder black people. A racist bigot felt comfortable enough to walk into a store to murder black people. The far-right fascist movement embraced by Governor DeSantis is murdering people. And then on top of that, the NRA took the opportunity to promote AR-style weapons hours after the shooting, claiming that millions of law-abiding citizens own and use AR-15s to defend themselves and their families. So here's the thing that always gets me about the NRA. Everybody was just like, we talk about 2A, they're very strong 2A supporters. But when a non-white person is murdered by a gun, they say nothing. You don't see them saying anything. You don't say, it's very much like, oh, no, we have gun rights. No one is saying you don't have the right to defend yourself or to carry a weapon. However, you don't need a weapon that's going to blow somebody apart to protect yourself. You just want to be a bully. Let's just be very clear. What happened in Jacksonville is disgusting. Black people can't go to a Dollar Tree. They can't go to a Dollar General. A man up north literally walked into a market and killed people in a market. Black people can't do anything Without somebody going, you don't belong here and I want you out of my country. Baby, your ancestors brought us here. We were fine where we were. Like, what is wrong with y'all? And it's so gross to watch. And it happening in Florida is literally highlighting why she, he should have never been reelected. And he needs to be out of office. Because you're going to keep signing these kind of laws. I think he talked about, I think um, Ron DeSantis said something about, like, you know, you know, coming after the black community. Sir, shut up. You don't even want schools to teach them about the true history of our country that includes chattel slavery. You can bite it. Meanwhile, you have these three families, their loved ones, their friends, people who live in those neighborhoods, terrified to just come in a store so should if they see a white person come in the store should they be terrified every time they see one notice how that sounds you're like why would you do that we can't say that about black people i'm like oh i'm sorry we come into your neighborhood blowing y'all up just because we don't like you leaving racist like killing three people and then telling your dad check my computer i left you a note and the thing about it is, I don't think he works with anybody. He doesn't seem like to be any any group. He is in a group. He's in the white supremacist group. He's in the bigot group. He's in the racist group. I know you don't ever see them meeting anywhere. But let's just say 
They all have a like mind. They have a hive mind. They have group think. Anybody that is not white and Protestant, they want them out of, like literally out of their way. And these people are literally minding their black ass business. That boy is 19. You literally shot some woman dead in the parking lot. You are evil. I don't care what his, I'm like, and I don't want to hear about his mental, I'm like, I don't care what his, I don't care about his mental, mental capacity. Don't care. He's evil. Treat him like y'all do every non-white person who literally does something to a white person. Say he's evil and leave that at that. Ron DeSantis, we don't need your thoughts and prayers because you a demon. We don't need thoughts and prayers from no demon. Especially when you just signed a law to make this shit okay. And it can happen again. I, I thank you to that officer who got that man off that college campus. Because a Dollar General, you maybe can control the amount of people in that. A college campus, people walking around. Oh, he could have done more damage. Not saying taking three lives is not damage. It is. But he could have, he also could do more damage. And the bad part about it is somebody's going to say, well, it's the well. He, and that's the thing. The other thing that I've noticed that when these kind of things happen, these folks, um, <coughs> these pe- folks are moved over to being lone wolves. That's just how this goes. They're not a lone wolf. They are all in the same pack. The pack of white supremacy. The pack of bigotry. They're all in the same pack. They're spread out. And if you keep treating them like lone wolves, nothing is going to change. Because here's the thing. Before you could even get that man to be arrested or even face trial, he unalived himself. So you can't even get into court and get some change because you're... Yeah, your perpetrator's gone. And he left behind hurt and trauma and fear. But yeah, it's it's just one person. I'm like, no, it's not. It's an ideology that has been allowed to fester. Because that boy was 21 years old. He ain't just flip a coin one day and said, I hate black people. He's probably been feeling that for a very long time. Huh. And if you don't think an apple falls from that tree, I got a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. Because they just said they didn't like guns in their home. Didn't say they like, didn't, they didn't say they did not, not have an issue with black people. I don't think they're going to say that. But, yeah. That is awful. Love and prayers to that community in Jacksonville. To those three victims' families, their friends, their loved ones. The kids that are at that HBCU. To us all over this country and abroad who are black. And have this tinge of something could happen to me. That woman was 52. The black people who were killed in a grocery store, they were all older black people. And all I'm thinking is. 
oh, I'm trying not to cry. I really am. But I really am thinking this. And I, what if that was my mother? Literally just going to a store and can't even do that. Because some piece of shit who literally cannot just sit in her fucking house and leave us alone are taking lives and taking light from this world because you hate something that you can't change. Meanwhile, you are taking loved ones from someone. I shouldn't say that I worry about my mother going anywhere without me. But I do. Because that could have been her. That could be your mama. That could have been my brother. That could have been my nephew. That could be anybody that we care about. Somebody who literally should turn a gun on them themselves first before they turn their gun on anyone. Has the power to take people that we love. And the bad part about it is there's going to be somebody in politics, somebody in power, who's going to excuse this and say, well, fuck your well. Fucking fix it. Because of little babies who are six-year-old in a pre-K school did not move y'all to change gun laws. And these are three, these are little white babies. That was the writing on the wall that y'all don't care about nobody. People like literally y'all are silent about January 6th. The kind of thing that was so calculated. Y'all don't want us to talk about it. It's just awful. And I feel, sometimes you just feel so helpless. And it's just awful. Oh, I did not. I didn't mean to cry about this. Oh, this. Mm. Okay. Mm. Trying to think of a way to end this. So I'm not sounding so sad. If you need to turn off social media, like sometimes I do, turn it off. Turn on something that makes you feel good. Go for a walk. Get some water. Pray. Watch a movie that you know makes you happy. And if you are a 19-year-old and you make it to the U.S. Open, stand up for your fucking self. Just like Coco Goff did. Young woman, I applaud you. Thank you for staking up for yourself. And I'm glad she said that because she took that fire of, oh, so you're not going to do something. Let me like eliminate her. But I'm glad even though she did win the match that she advocated for herself. But guys, this has been the Mocha Menace podcast. Thank you for listening. And I'm sorry if I don't, if I made you cry, I'm so sorry. Take care of yourself, and I'll be back. Bye! Oh, when a difficult day goes by, keeping it together is hard, but that's why you've got to try. You've got to try
there's a thundering storm outside Underneath the covers you huddle and hide Open your eyes, open your eyes It's the truth, it's the truth, it's the truth Kind of love, it's the truth the truth, it's the truth, kind of love.